Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations, Hempsters. This is your Hemptrepreneurial host. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. It's uh, Hemp Aware Radio, and we're here to empower your hemp experience because it's important. On this show, we put emphasis on what's most important to you and what uh, issues we can solve with regard to hemp and what challenges we can help overcome uh, with this amazing cannabis plant. It's February 16th, 2017. As we're broadcasting the show, you may be listening to a recorded version. And either way, thank you so much for your attention and your time. Your time is certainly one of the most valuable resources, and I sincerely appreciate you investing it in raising your awareness about the essential benefits of cannabis hemp. HempAware is committed to creating a paradigm-shifting consciousness around the world. We're here to inspire, educate, motivate, and uplift you to utilize cannabis for clothing, food, energy applications, healing, and ultimately building a healthy home, environment, companies, and economies. Just imagine if our basic needs are met for food, shelter, and clothing. Can you imagine the amazing things that we can do with this life? So... On this episode, we have a very special guest, a colleague and friend of mine, DJ Nikki with the Canopedia. And before we get hemspirational on you, I just want to remind you that you can listen to the past episodes, including to today's show, by visiting the iTunes podcast library and just search the word hempaware, all one word, or you can tune in at hempaware.com forward slash radio. Also, if you have any problems that you're dealing with in the hemp industry that you want help with, uh, we're here to help you. We're here to cover topics that are most important to you, so feel free to send us an email at support at hempaware.com. And so once again, for the second time, I'm honored to have DJ's presence. DJ has done a fabulous job of spearheading the launch of the Canopedia.org. He's an amazing writer, a content creator, a researcher, a videographer, video um, graphics editor, uh, he's an amazing around, uh, you know, overall guy. He's, he's, I'm really excited to uh, be working with him. And so without further ado, welcome aboard, DJ. Thanks so much for being on to today's show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Tyler. Yeah. So we have um, a, before we uh, – yes. I was going to say, yeah, we got a lot to, to cover today. There's so much uh, exciting things happening. Most certainly. And we uh, have a little extra time on today's, on today's show, about um, 40 mi- 45 minutes uh, I've allotted so we can get a little bit deeper than usual. Usually our shows are about 30 minutes, so let's get right into it. Um, you were on the show once before, so our listeners may have an idea of who you are and your background, um, but for those that might be listening to the show for the first time or listening to you for the first time, uh, give us a little background um, history and how you were introduced to cannabis, kind of your your background history, and introduce yourself a little bit. Okay, yeah, my name is DJ Nikki. Uh, I've been working in the film industry actually for Hollywood since I was about uh, 17 years old, uh, so about almost 20 years now. Uh, I've been an animator for Disney, an animator for Fox Studios, and um, started my own film company. Uh, a couple of years ago, making my own live action films and directing. Uh, And then I got introduced to cannabis, uh, as I told you, in about 2012. 
uh, I grew up viewing cannabis as evil and bad, uh, you know, the, the devil's lettuce. Uh, but then a friend took me to a convention in London called Breaking Convention, where I met with uh, researchers like Dr. Uh, David Nutt and uh, Amanda Fielding and uh, so many other brilliant PhDs and doctors and psychologists. And they assured me that this was not a dangerous drug, but in fact, it was a medicine. And that gave me enough confidence to try it in a therapeutic setting uh, with some sort of amateur psychotherapy at the same time. Um, and it, it completely changed my life. So after that, I could not view this plant as something evil. And um, the more I looked into the actual industrial side of the plant, the more I was convinced that this is actually a miracle plant. So that combined with how it personally changed my life made me really take this seriously. And so late last year, uh, actually shortly after I, I just got married, my wife and I decided to dedicate our lives to spreading accurate information about the cannabis plant. And that's, uh, that's how we started it. the Canopedia. Wow, how inspiring. So you really dove into this full force, both feet. You felt like this was the biggest way you could make a, a change on the planet and, and shift people's awareness and and make the most uh, contribution with, with your short time here on Earth. We're only here for such a short short glimpse of time. I know 100 years or 80 years might seem like a long time, but from what I've heard, it goes by extremely quickly. So I'm so uh, honored and privileged to have someone such as yourself who is so involved in video production and, and Hollywood to be able to come to the cannabis industry and provide your amazing resources and skills. So... Let, let's talk a little bit. I know we're going to get into the Canopedia. Um, today shows together we can change the world with cannabis hemp. So I know we're going to be covering some crucial topics. Um, but before we do, what are some of the problems we will uh, continue to face as, as society, as humanity, if we don't accept cannabis as one of the most vital uh, resources to life, you know, as far as food, clothing, economy, medicine, and all the rest. What are some of the biggest challenges do you think we're facing today? Well, of course, everyone knows that we're facing climate change, and a, a lot of that is due to, uh, you know, the destruction of ancient forests that release monoterpenes into the atmosphere, which uh, protect us from the sun's UV rays. And when those are depleted, more of the UV rays get through, so the earth actually gets hotter. Uh, in addition to the CO2 uh, blanket, which traps the heat in there. You know, it acts like a blanket on the earth, so the heat that does get in doesn't get out as effectively. And uh, what most people don't realize is that the oceans are also absorbing a lot of that CO2. And so now you're getting corals bleaching. Uh, you're getting all kinds of uh, problems with that. And that's just climate change. But then we also have uh, soil erosion from deforestation. Uh, you know, they clear acres and acres uh, of trees just to make paper, which is extremely inefficient. Uh, we have soil destruction from over-farming where people are doing monocultures on one piece of land and it just depletes the soil completely. Then they pump it full of chemical fertilizers, which you have runoff into rivers, lakes, and oceans. You, I mean, you've got that massive dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. There are dead zones all over the ocean and in freshwater bodies um, from runoff from not just fertilizers, but also pesticides and herbicides. Uh, and then you also have the use of the freshwater for irrigation of farming. So basically, you know, we're looking at uh, total ecological disaster, whereas uh, a plant like cannabis, 
as crazy as it sounds, you know, I didn't believe all this stuff when I first started researching and everything sounded like it was too good to be true. But the more I looked into it, the more true it was. Like for instance, hemp actually makes a much better quality paper than, than wood. And in fact, before the 1850s, all paper came from either papyrus or from hemp uh, because it was so good at that. And hemp grows to maturity in, you know, less than four months and you can harvest it and make paper from that. And it actually produces twice as much uh, fiber for paper per acre than trees. Whereas trees, you think of a spruce tree, takes 12 years to reach maturity before you can chop it down and turn it into paper. And then that's mm-hmm. a huge chemical process. You know, the byproduct from, from turning wood pulp into paper is the toxic sludge that has to be disposed of. Uh, whereas this, the byproduct from turning hemp into paper, uh, with modern processes that they've developed, the byproduct is fertilizer. So you can produce twice as right. much per acre in uh, four months as opposed to 12 years. And it actually, you know, the hemp plant actually revitalizes and rejuvenates the soil. The roots are very strong roots that go very deep and they break up soil that might have been compacted and dead. And then just the leaves falling from it and then the roots, after you harvest the roots staying in the ground and decomposing, naturally fertilize the plants. Farmers are finding that when they use hemp as a rotation crop, they actually get bigger yields the year after hemp has been planted without using any extra fertilizers, just because the hemp itself revitalizes the soil. Uh, that's not even getting into cleanup of toxic metals. You know, uh, hemp is great at absorbing uh, heavy metals in the soil, and they've even found uh, at Chernobyl it's been used to clean up the, the nuclear radiation, and they're looking at using it in Fukushima. So it's not only a plant that can rejuvenate the soils, but it can even clean up our mistakes, uh, you know, where we've hmm. spilled toxic chemicals or uh, other heavy metals. Wow, I mean, you've just covered so many important topics. I, I, seriously, every part of our ecology or our ecosystems will be dramatically benefited by the growth and, and consumption of cannabis. I mean, you, you covered our waterways, our air, our soil, our um, our economies. Um, you know, obviously, the, the old growth trees is, is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and this whole concept of global warming and, um, you know, the monoterpenes that mm. come off of these old growth trees, and not to mention the, the terpenes that are, um, that, uh, that are released from cannabis itself are contributing to that shield. Um, and, exactly. and I know you and I both learned uh, from Paul von Hartmann, who I'm really excited to have on the show um, very soon. Um, oh, with, excellent. That'll be a good can- show. Yeah, cannabis and climate change. If, if uh, our listeners want to check out that topic a little bit more and what cannabis can do for global warming or climate change or you know how cannabis dramatically uh, contributes to offsetting those negative effects. So, man, I, obviously we we both are in in the choir. We're in we're in the church, so to speak, <laughs> where we believe in cannabis so deeply that we've committed our lives to bringing it to the people and bringing the, these truths uh, to the forefront. So with that said, I would love to hear your vision being that, you know, the title of today's show is together we can change the world with cannabis hemp. Can you share your vision of the Canopedia and, and of bringing hemp, um, you know, as a bridge uh, to overcome these, you know, corrupt economies uh, that are on the massive scales, you know, that are just 
destroying our environment um, and our ecology. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- how do you see hemp? How do you see the Canopedia as an organization dramatically changing the way people think about hemp? And, and what, what is the Canopedia's approach to, to creating this paradigm shift? Well, I think the only real way to change people is through education. And, of course, mm-hmm. coming from a media background uh, in Hollywood, I learned all the tricks to, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, manipulate people to get them to believe something. You know, the combination of moving images with music and audio is extremely powerful. It really taps people's emotions. And so with the Canopedia, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to um, – right now we're starting with journalism and articles, which is really good. It gets the intellectuals uh, interested. But uh, we also want to move into more video creation and uh, edutainment so that we can shift public opinion. Because right now, we've been tricked, and all of these, th- this plant in all, the, all world governments is illegal. And we can trace that back to um, basically the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act in the United States. And the same man, uh, Harry J. Anslinger, who started that, who got that passed, he then went on to the United Nations and um, eventually got the 1971 Single Convention on Narcotics passed, or was it 61, uh, where now every country in the world that wanted to deal with the United States in the United Nations had to make cannabis illegal. And uh, there's a whole lot that led up to that, which I don't want to cover at this point in time, but Mm -hmm. our task now is to first re-educate the people that cannabis is not an evil plant, that it's actually, quite frankly, a miracle plant. Uh, and then once the people believe that, then we can get people moving to uh, help change the laws because the governments aren't going to change because right now it's profitable for them to be destroying the planet. Uh, They don't see the profit because the big corporations won't be the ones who profit from cannabis. It will actually be the small farmers, you know, the mom-and-pop farmers. Just to give you an idea, um, shortly after the U.S. made cannabis illegal, uh, the 1937 Tax Act didn't actually make it illegal to grow cannabis. It just made it illegal to sell it and to, to distribute it. It put a $1 tax per ounce on that. And by today's dollars, that's about $136 per ounce. So if you buy a 10-ounce can of corn, there would be a $1,000 tax on that can of corn if it was, if it was cannabis. So it, they basically made it illegal. But then World War II yeah. did and Japan invaded the Philippines, and the U.S. lost their cheap fiber. And so uh, you can look up a movie called Hemp for Victory that was put out by the U.S. Department of Agriculture where they started encouraging farmers to grow hemp again because they realized this is the only crop that can provide everything that we need. You know, the word cannabis, mm-hmm. the word canvas comes from the word cannabis because all canvas and all ropes and all seagoing uh, tackle was made from cannabis. And so the U.S. needed mm-hmm. this fiber crop for everything. Uh, you know, it also produces fuel, uh, as you know, so many things. But what they found was that mm-hmm. uh, when hemp was grown in the United States during World War II, the farmers were able to take 20, just 20% of the waste product of their crop, and that was burnt as fuel to power all of their hemp processing mills. And they even had a 50% surplus of energy that was sold back to the power companies by the War Hemp Industries Incorporated, which was the government uh, corporation set up to run this whole operation in, I think, 19, the 1940s. If you look up War Hemp Industries Incorporated, you'll see, uh, I believe they're based in Chicago, Illinois. And um, they have all the documentation that these farmers burnt 20% of the waste, not of the harvest, 20% of the waste as fuel, and that produced 
twice as much energy as they needed to to power the hemp processing facilities that they then sold back to the energy company. So this crop is just amazing in how much it can produce and what it can give back mm-hmm. to not just the farmers but to the people because you have yeah. uh, the second strongest fiber known to man. I think it's only Rami uh, is stronger, but cannabis grows in just about any soil on earth, uh, as you know mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it grows in, you know, four months. It produces twice as much uh, fiber per acre as cotton, uses zero pesticides or fertilizers uh, if you need it, uses half the water per acre as cotton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense uh, that we're not growing this everywhere. And, of course, the only reason is uh, the laws. So, yeah, yeah. This, this kind of information that the Canopedia hopes to get back out into the uh, public awareness and into the public consciousness. So when laws come up uh, for votes, you know, whether we should legalize hemp, uh, the focus right now is on medical marijuana and also recreational use of marijuana. And that's a very valid uh, aspect of the plant, which we, we go into in depth in the Canopedia. But now we're really shifting focus more to the industrial aspect of it uh, and as a crop that can revitalize the soil and bring money back to the farmers. Because right now it's huge corporations that are profiting from uh, farming. And, of course, you know, uh, the New Deal Farm Act in the 1930s and 40s paid farmers not to grow crops, which is ridiculous. You had Henry Ford and George Washington Carver working on a a branch of science called Chemergy, where they would take the surplus crops from farmers – and develop plastics and fuels and all kinds of polymers. Uh, everything we do with fossil fuels from, you know, nylon and synthetic fibers to plastics to fuels, uh, everything, they developed from plant-based uh, sources, and it was called mm-hmm. chemergy. But then the U.S. government mm-hmm. stopped subsidizing that. They paid farmers not to grow. Instead of having a surplus, now we had uh, a deficit in order to keep the, uh, the markets healthy. And then they started subsidizing mm-hmm. the fossil fuel industries. So suddenly... Uh, hemp-based fuels and, uh, you know, um, methanols produced from crops couldn't compete with the cheapness of fossil fuels and producing that. And hemp-based uh, or plant-based plastics couldn't compete with fossil fuels. Uh, I'm sure many people listening have heard of Henry Ford's hemp-powered car. And um, mm-hmm. that, historically, it was more called the farm-grown car. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just hemp. He used hemp fibers, and I think it was soybean resin to make the body of the car. And it was one-third the weight, uh, but ten times stronger than steel. And it was also run originally on a, a fuel, a diesel fuel uh, made from hemp seed, hemp seed oil that he mm-hmm. developed with Rudolf Diesel. Now, that's, that didn't right. succeed for many reasons. Uh, the 1937 Tax Act is one of them because uh, the car wasn't built until 1942. But also using the hemp seed oil for diesel isn't the most effective use of it because you can only get about 50 to 100 gallons of fuel uh, if you use the seeds to create diesel. However, if you use the stalks and the fiber, uh, the cellulose in the stalks to produce methanol, you can get 500 to 1,000 gallons of fuel per acre from cannabis. And then you can use the seeds as food because the seeds themselves, they contain more protein than uh, beef and more Mm omega-3 than salmon. So it's actually a superfood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that word gets thrown around a lot these days, but when you look into hemp, it truly is a superfood because it provides all the nutrition you need in one place. And um, I, I believe you're a vegetarian. My wife and I were vegans, and it's actually a complete protein. So it has all the essential amino acids that you need, and it has all the essential fatty acids that you need. So you could eat nothing but cannabis seeds, hemp seeds, and live an extremely healthy and long life. 
Uh, and in fact, next month uh, we're engaging with a group here in Denver on the hemp seed challenge where we're eating only cannabis seeds, uh, only hemp seeds for 10 days uh, while we're monitored by doctors wow. to see what effect it has on our bodies. That's amazing. So that's... Wow. I mean, you, you really covered a lot of uh, ground in a very short period of time. I'm really thankful <laughs> for that. And it's, uh, you know, just to kind of reiterate as far as the vision, you know, and, and where you guys um, are overcoming these challenges is number one, the first step is education, really getting this concept out there that cannabis is safe. Not only is it safe, it is possibly the number one miracle plant on the planet for all the reasons yes. that you just covered and, and more as far as biofuels, energy, plastics, um, food, you know, we can build our homes with it, which we haven't even covered, um, our clothing and, and, and beyond. I mean, there's really no limitation to what we can do with this plant. It's, it's truly a miracle plant. And secondarily, once, once the Canopedia feels um, like there's enough information out there, you, you, the, the second stage is edutainment, really getting it more um, – a broader perspective, uh, or I guess I should say appealing to a broader uh, audience. So doing that Definitely. through your expertise of video production and and training modules and making it so that uh, more people can get involved and, and really uh, get educated about the benefits, the uses, and the history of hemp, uh, the history of cannabis. Um, and, and so... Right now, the Canopedia is, is a setup, the Canopedia.org, and one of the main aspects of the Canopedia is this CanaWiki. So just like Wikipedia, the Canopedia is a place for documenting uh, research and clinical trials and medical studies and doctor's reports and interviews with professionals in the industry who have been doing this for you know, 10, 20, 30 years, uh, and experts sharing their experience on the validity of cannabis as a medicine, as all these other mm-hmm. aspects that we uh, created. Um, and, and that's so exciting. Uh, but l- let's talk a little bit more about the Canopedia. Uh, obviously, there's the platform, uh, the, the standard platform, which is articles and blog posts, videos, and then you've got this whole other section that literally looks just like um, uh, the Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Except it's Canopedia. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool. It's, it's very professional. It's, you know, organized, streamlined. Let, let's talk a little bit about the CanaWiki and how people might be able to get involved or, you know, what your approach is with the CanaWiki. Well, it, it's run on the same software as Wikipedia, but we do not want to open it up to the public. So with Wikipedia, anyone can go on, log in, and start editing and changing articles. But obviously, cannabis is such a politically charged topic that we don't want to open it up to just anyone. And so we're sending out invitations to uh, experts in each field to come to the Canopedia to share their research and latest findings and to have it peer-reviewed by other peers within the cannabis industry. So rather than being peer-reviewed by other researchers who don't know anything about cannabis or might actually have a bias against cannabis, as uh, I know I even used to, 
we want to have it reviewed by peers who understand the, the benefits and the value of cannabis. And that's another huge mm-hmm. hurdle that, that we've got to cross, you know, is educating the experts. Because a lot of people think, oh, well, my doctor doesn't know any cannabis as a medicine, so it must not be a good medicine. But what I've been learning uh, more recently is that your doctor, first of all, went to medical school where they don't, they don't cover these topics. And then their ongoing education is typically funded and organized by pharmaceutical corporations. And the pharmaceutical companies obviously only want to train the doctors about how to use, prescribe, and monitor their own ph- pharmaceutical drugs. So, of course, mm-hmm. your doctor doesn't know much about cannabis unless your doctor has a lot of spare time and researches it on their own because there's no one out there educating mm-hmm. them about that. And so the Canopedia, mm-hmm. we hope to eventually be able to go and run those kind of education programs for doctors, uh, for researchers, and for these people who need to be informed of this but might not have time to look into it on their own. So um, we're, we might be restructuring it because uh, obviously it's a nonprofit and it's, uh, it's difficult to, to survive with that going, but we want to keep it, uh, you know, nonprofit and want to keep it free for everyone. But that's what we want to do mm-hmm. with the Wiki side of things is we want that to be a resource for uh, true in-depth research. So your average reader might not find the Wiki so interesting because it's going to be a lot of uh, technical jargon and um, it's not going to have bullet points uh, so much. You know, you won't be able to get the Reader's Digest mm-hmm. version of it. That's what the more mm-hmm. uh, journalistic side of things will be, where we have journalists who read these articles and research papers and write about it in plain language that everyone can understand. And the Kennewiki side is more, yeah, the, the hardcore research. If you want to find actual facts and figures and statistics, that's where you go is the Kennewiki. And we're slowly filling that in with uh, accurate information. Uh, the hardest part is actually uh, teaching myself, you know, teaching yourself about this so that you can write about it accurately. And then the next mm-hmm. step is writing that out in a way that is useful to researchers, scientists, doctors, uh, and people in, in various industries. Awesome. So that kind of leads me to my next question, which is what makes the Canopedia different from other cannabis educational platforms? I know there's there's magazines out there, there's other blogs and, you know, kind of, I don't know that there's too many academies or schools. I know that there's a cannabis academy in, in uh, Oakland called Oaksterdam, um, and that is great. I think it teaches people more about how to get into the cannabis business, like if you want to make a business out of it, whereas the Canopedia is more educational based on people that already have careers and big influencers in different industries, like you mentioned, doctors, lawyers, uh, teachers, people that, that, you know, can make a difference uh, in changing perspectives and changing views and changing people's uh, behaviors, so to speak. Um, but what, what would you say is the biggest difference between the Canopedia and, and other cannabis educational platforms? I would say the biggest difference is that we're not selling anything and we're just trying to present accurate information to allow people to make their own decisions. So we try not to uh, bias our reporting or our information. We try not to say that um, this is the best and only option. We just try and present the facts. Um, like, for instance, the, uh, the most political article we wrote is titled, Yes, Cannabis Does Cure Cancer. And uh, we go through and first explain the fact that, you know, when we say cure, we don't mean it's a magic bullet, a panacea, because uh, cannabis doesn't work every time for every person with every disease, you know, or every form of cancer. But 
it has cured cancer some of the time for some people. And therefore, we feel confident in saying that cannabis is a cure for cancer. And if you get, if you start taking the right type of cannabis and the right dosage of cannabis uh, at the right stage in your cancer, it will go into remission. And we have uh, several people, uh, actually hundreds of people that I've spoken with who have cured their cancer. But in the article, we uh, present the stories of two individuals in particular, uh, Corey Yelland and um, I can't remember the other lady's name. I, uh, unfortunately, the second lady has actually since passed away and it, uh, I haven't been able to get accurate information on it because it was recently, but it may have been actually her cancer returned. And what I've been told is that she stopped taking her maintenance dose of cannabis oil, and then she was enrolled into an experimental therapy to treat her cancer, and they, the doctors told her not to have any cannabis whatsoever, and she ended up passing away, mm. which is uh, very sad. So that shows, wow. you know, it's not, gonna, it's not a miracle cure, but it is a cure. And sure. there, are, um, there are, I guess, footnotes to that. You know, there are addendums to that. It's not going mm-hmm. to just an instant cure. You take it once, and you're good for the rest of your life. This is, uh, as Dr. Bob Melamy calls it, a vital nutrient for human health. So it's mm-hmm. something that we need to view as uh, thing, something we need to eat on a regular basis. And that gets back to the cannabinoid system within every living creature from sea squirts right through to humans. Uh, we all have endocannabinoid systems, and we all need cannabinoids in our body. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that explains it. Sorry if I'm going off on tangents here. It's just a, a lot of No, it's crucial. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's it's a reflection of the Canopedia to kind of give people an overview of, look, we're not just covering medical cannabis and we're not just covering, you know, cannabis as used uh, for a recreational substance. Like this is a real legitimate historical plant that was part of the pharmacopoeia uh, of the United States before the 1930s and before mm-hmm. prohibition that that you know, you're really dedicated to the truth, you're dedicated to the facts, you're dedicated to getting historical and accurate information about cannabis out to the people. And so I think it's a great representation and overview because you know, you're covering a lot of topics, but I think that's exactly the purpose of the Canopedia, to show a broad spectrum of all the different uses, all the different applications. And when it comes to the medical side actually get clinical trials and kind of uh, congeal or curate all of these amazing studies, these amazing people uh, that have done the work, they've put in the time, and, you know, they've been pushed under the rug, uh, so to speak, or just don't have the resources to get their information out to the people. And I don't know what the statistics are with, you know, pharmaceutical drugs or people that go through chemotherapy or radiation, but I'm pretty sure that those success rates are probably a lot less than cannabis usage in in terms of um, apoptosis or, you know, cancer cell destruction. Um, You know, not to mention the horrible side effects of those other, other, you know, applications or drugs, um, cannabis is such a safe alternative. Um, yes. And yes, well, there's uh, never, I have nothing. Against, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say cannabis has never caused a death in recorded history. So uh, prescription drugs on average cause about 20,000 deaths in the United States every year. 
Um, tobacco mm-hmm. causes about 400,000 deaths within the United States every year. Alcohol, 100,000 deaths. Wow. Even caffeine from coffee and um, energy drinks cause about 2,000 deaths in the U.S. every year. Aspirin, Tylenol cause 500 deaths every year in the United States. Cannabis has never been the cause of a single death. So that just shows mm-hmm. the safety of this, not only as a medicine, but as a recreational, you know, you would have to smoke about, uh, what was it, uh, 1,200 pounds of cannabis <laughs> in 15 minutes in order for it to be toxic. Yeah. So this is, right. you know, you're better off hitting someone over the head with a pile of cannabis if you wanted to kill them with it than having them smoke it. Yeah. You just, you simply could not overdose on it. Mm-hmm. So it's safe in that way. And then when we get to cancer, there's about three or four different ways that cannabis can attack cancer. Uh, it, as you mentioned, it triggers a, apoptosis, so it triggers programmed cell death because a lot of cancers are basically uh, cells that have been damaged, and they're basically like zombies. They just don't die, and they reproduce, and they keep producing more cells that have forgotten how to die. And for whatever reason, cannabis, uh, the cannabinoids, can trigger those cells and tell them, no, you're supposed to die and kill yourself, and they go off and die. Then other cells that are damaged and on their way to becoming cancerous cells they go through a process called autophagy or autophagy where they, uh, the cells mm-hmm. are told to eat and consume the damaged parts of themselves and regenerate those damaged parts so they heal themselves. So you get cells that are um, maybe uh, cancerous but not quite malignant, and they're able to repair themselves and become healthy cells. And at the same time, uh, THC has been shown to actually uh, just kill cancer cells uh, in the petri dish, while leaving healthy cells, actually protecting healthy cells at the same time. So there's multiple ways that uh, cannabis, as an entire plant, uh, attacks and fights cancer. Um, I wouldn't even call it so much fighting cancer. What it does is it just gives your body back its ability to restore homeostasis, to restore a natural mm-hmm. balance within your body. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's right. not just the cancer. I mean, that's with any age-related illness, um, Alzheimer's disease, uh, even things like epilepsy, uh, osteoporosis, uh, all these diseases are actually treated by cannabis because uh, if you look up someone like Dr. Bob Melamed, as he says, it is a vital nutrient for human life. So because the, the current theory, if I can go off on another tangent, the current theory is that mm-hmm. because humans co-evolved or uh, if you believe in creation, they were co-created with cannabis in their diet. And so we, we actually don't have the genes to produce certain cannabinoids. And certain people who are born with certain genetic disorders, researchers are finding that that's actually an endocannabinoid deficiency. They're born without the ability to produce a certain type of cannabinoid uh, to stimulate a certain system within their body. Uh, just like we didn't know uh, once upon a time that humans needed vitamin C until we started going on long, long sea voyages and people started dying of scurvy, which we found was a vitamin C deficiency. Because humans have always mm-hmm. been around plants rich in vitamin C, we, we lack the ability to produce it within our own bodies and we take it into our diet. And it's looking like right. cannabinoids are similar, where because we've always been around this, because this plant has been a part of human civiliz- civilization, you know, it turns out it was actually the first agriculturally cultivated plant in human history. Uh, it's uh, recorded mm-hmm. in the oldest pharmacopoeia books from ancient China 2,000 years ago, as you, as you mentioned. You know, And so it's been around humans our entire existence, and it's only in the last 100 years that it's been illegal. And it's in those 100 years that we've seen skyrocketing cases of every uh, autoimmune disease 
known to man, from cancer to uh, diabetes, all of these things can be treated with cannabinoids. And it looks like that is because these diseases are caused by an imbalance in our endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a deficiency or just because we have a symbiotic relationship and we're not getting enough cannabinoids from our diet that these symptoms uh, eventually start showing up, like you said. And generation after generation, uh, over the last hundred years, it's definitely shown up in, um, you know, even childhood uh, diabetes and child childhood cancer and the epidemics of, of these horrible conditions that are showing up because of that deficiency. So it's, uh, it is an essential nutrient on every level, uh, not only an essential nutrient for our bodies as far as the seeds, the protein, the essential fatty acids for preventative cause uh, measures and really, you know, nourishing the, the cells on, on a cellular level, um, but getting these high quality minerals, uh, but it's also a medicine for the earth. And I think it was John Trudell Definitely. who kind of, uh, I guess, popularized that, that term, you know, cannabis is medicine for the earth. And we covered it in the beginning part of the show like that. that by putting cannabis in the soil, you know, we're, we're, we're healing the soil, we're healing the air, we're healing the waterways, we're healing our economies, and we're providing cures for every aspect of life, not just, you know, uh, disease conditions, but uh, disease conditions for the planet. Um, so I, I'm really excited to be a part of this industry. I've, you know, realized at a, at a very young age that cannabis and hemp were the vehicles for me to ultimately create peace on earth. It's, it's literally a physical manifestation of peace and of love and I of believe harmony that. and of yes. balance. Yeah, and, and I, I know that's why we're working so closely together to get this message out to the people and, and the truth out to the people so that we really can create this paradigm shift in consciousness. And, um, so and that's what it's what, all about. That's, that's where it needs to start mm-hmm. is in uh, you know, the hearts and minds of the listeners. That they need to mm-hmm. – so anyone listening today, educate yourself properly as much as you can on the true benefits of cannabis – and then once you've educated yourself, then you can go on and spread that information and start educating others, point them to this podcast and radio show, uh, point them to the Canopedia, point them to the HempAware blog so that they can start getting accurate information and start breaking down those uh, prejudices that, we've been, that have been mm-hmm. bred into us from our culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, even to this day, I find people so confused and, you know, they say – when you get really involved in an industry or when you develop your expertise in a certain field, you tend to forget that other people don't know what you know. So, you know, it's like if you play the guitar, you just pick up the guitar and you're like, yeah, it's easy. You just go like this and you play a chord and, and, you know, you you can do hammering and you can do, you know, different things on the, on the string slide. And, but it's because you've studied it for so long that it becomes so natural and uh, so sometimes I forget how uneducated people are about cannabis and about hemp. So it is crucial that we have platforms like the Canopedia.org and the CannaWiki to, to document these uh, truths and, and really get it out to the people. Um, so with that said, is there a way, 
let's say one of our listeners wants to know something in particular about cannabis or uh, hemp in general, is there a place they can submit questions or maybe topic ideas? Should they connect with uh, facebook.com forward slash the Canopedia and join the group? Or what would be the best way for them to kind of get involved or maybe request specific information that they think should should be out there more? That's a good question. Yeah, so right now contacting us through Facebook, Twitter, or Google Plus would be great. So if you just search for The Canopedia on, um, on Facebook, you'll see us there. Uh, or if you go to the website, um, there's not actually a contact page at the moment, but you can sign up for the uh, free newsletter and also get a, a free intro guide to cannabinoids. Um, Mm-hmm. Which, which you prepared as well, which is awesome. Uh, or they could email me directly if they wanted to. I'm just dj.nikki at thecanopedia.org. And that's um, uh, dj.nikki is N-I-C-K-E, like Nike, but with a C-K, at thecanopedia.org. Mm-hmm. If you have any uh, direct questions, I do my best to answer as quick as possible. Or if they go to the Facebook and send a message directly to the Facebook page, uh, I do my best to answer that within 24 to 48 hours, uh, especially if it's a medical emergency and you need to uh, get some advice. I I do my best to also connect people with other experts who can help them with medical conditions because I'm not a physician myself. And I also, I Mm -hmm. don't supply any cannabis products, oils or anything like that, but I can connect you with Mm -hmm. people who can help you. Excellent. And wow. And if I could also just say, also the on the topic of this conversation today, together we can change the world. Uh, I'm also writing an article with the same title. Uh, it's taking me a bit longer than I anticipated, just because this is such a huge topic, uh, and yeah. I want to do it justice. But I'm hoping to have that published mm-hmm. before the end of this week. Uh, so look for that. And if you're following us on Facebook or Twitter, you'll see when that article gets published. Awesome. So there you have it, folks. We just have about two minutes left. And to kind of recap, go to thecanopedia.org and get your uh, free download of uh, the intro guide to cannabinoids. There's going to be other amazing content coming out in the very near future. As DJ uh, Nikki just mentioned, he's putting out this article, um, Together We Can Change the World with Cannabis. Um, If you sign up for the newsletter, You'll get updated on the most recent uh, articles and posts, and if we produce any other free content, uh, we're always you know, doing infographics and other amazing uh, resources for you and for your family, your friends, for your doctors, lawyers, etc. So send them to this website. Get them uh, excited about the transformations that are coming with hemp. With uh, just 90 seconds left, DJ, what would you say is an optimistic view, like the next five years, how do you see the cannabis industry unfolding? Well, my my wife and I just moved back to the U.S. uh, two weeks ago to Denver, and we are working with some people who are trying to change the the laws from within the United States and try and make the United States um, basically the leader of the world again through legalizing and growing industrial cannabis. We're focusing on industrial sides, uh, not medical sides. So I think five years from now, everyone's going to have access to cannabis as a food, as a medicine, as a fuel, as a fiber, uh, and as a recreational um, something to enjoy. So that's – I think the future is bright. For the first time in uh, 10 years, I'm actually optimistic about the future for humanity and uh, even my generation. 
Right on. Well, thank you so much again for being on t- t- uh, today's show. This is your entrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp with Hemp Aware Radio. Together, we can change the world with cannabis hemp. Give us a call at 805-410-4367. Go to thecanopedia.org, get subscribed, check out some of the articles, share them on your social media platforms, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thank you again so much, DJ. I appreciate your presence. Thanks for having me, Tyler, and thank you to your listeners for uh, listening to me rant. All right. Peace out. Talk soon. Bye.